Praise the Creator Most High, as He is the essence of my totality. Jesus was a man of color. Based on his genetics and his genes, he's a descendant of Sham. But wait a minute. Genetically speaking, he's also got some hermetic blood in him. Ham is another child of Noah. Ham is the progenitor of those of us of African descent. We have spent the, the last several weeks speaking of black to the Bible during a series of sermons that deal with the black presence uh, in the Bible and we just appreciate how God has um, enlightened us and shared some fresh revelation with many of us and review for some others of us and we've looked at Adam and Eve we've looked at uh, Noah and Mrs. Noah and Ham, Sham, Japheth, Nimrod um, Zenith, the wife of Joseph. We looked at Rahab and Ruth. Um, we've looked at Bathsheba, David, Solomon. Just so many people. And I know that uh, your question for me as we conclude this series is, what about Jesus? And that's what I want to preach about today as we conclude uh, the series on Black to the Bible. I want to conclude it with a question for the title for the sermon today, What About Jesus? In Revelation 1 and 10, these words are recorded. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and of death. What about Jesus? Whenever I'm dealing with the cultural context of characters in scripture, whether it is with their color or their culture of certain characters, in the context of scripture, when I'm dealing with this subject with my children, they always want to know what about Jesus. No matter what color I say somebody is or what culture some particular character in scripture is, my sons always want to know, Daddy, what was the color and the culture of Jesus the Christ? And each time they ask me this, I never give them a definitive answer. I never give them uh, a conclusion a definite conclusion to the question that they ask and several reasons I don't do that. One is because y'all nobody really knows what Jesus looked like when he walked in flesh on the earth for 33 years. Nobody really knows the color of his hair or the exact countenance of his skin. Nobody really knows the exact color of his eyes or how tall he was or how short he was. We just don't have that analytical and historical information about Jesus Christ. So each time my sons ask me, I never give them a definite conclusion because nobody knows exactly. But one of the things I do give to them is I give them enough evidence to come to their own conclusion. And that's what I want to do with you today. I, as we look at what about Jesus, I want to just give you some evidence 
And as we look at the particular evidence, I want you to evaluate the evidence for yourself as led by the Spirit of God and come to your own conclusion with the scriptures and with God's Spirit as to the color and to the culture of Jesus Christ. And y'all, we need to investigate this. We need to look at this because many of us still, we still believe that Michelangelo's perception of Jesus uh, is who Jesus really is and what Jesus really looks like. Uh, his brother was the model or whoever he used for the model and he portrays this Jesus and paints this Jesus with long blonde flowing hair, Caucasian features, blue eyes, pale white skin. Y'all know the one I'm talking about. The picture that hangs in many churches across this nation and uh, that, that shows Michelangelo's perception as to who Jesus is. And many of us think that's what Jesus really looked like. I was over in West Africa, went into several churches in West Africa and there that picture was again. Blonde, long, flowing hair, blue eyes, pale white skin and everybody says that's a picture of Jesus and I've been in some of y'all's houses and there he is again and uh, people just somehow believe that this is the Jesus and and so I feel it necessary just to give you some information and some evidence to help you to rethink and relook at what Jesus looks like to you Marcus Garvey says that black people are the only people who look at Jesus through the eyes of another culture. Uh, Marcus Garvey says that every other culture looks at Jesus through their own eyes, except us. That when Hispanic people get saved, they depict Jesus as, as Hispanic that when Asians or Chinese people get saved, then they have a Chinese Jesus. When Japanese people get saved, they portray Jesus as a Japanese. When white people get saved, they portray Jesus as white. And then when black people get saved, we portray Jesus as white. We're the only people who portray Jesus through the cultural eyes of somebody else. And I just want to give you some evidence so that you can start seeing Jesus the way God desires for you to see Jesus. And the first piece of evidence I want to give to you is environmentally. I want to give you some environmental evidence. Even in the sense, here's your first piece of evidence, environmentally. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is in Judah. Judah is in Israel and Israel is in the Middle East. So when you're trying to come to grips with the culture and color of Jesus, remember Jesus was a Middle Easterner when he walked on this earth. Bethlehem of Judah is in Israel. Israel is in the Middle East. It is not uncommon for the temperatures in the Middle East to reach 100 degrees. Y'all, the Middle East is not much more than desert. That's why when the United States was in war in the Middle East a few years ago, that they called that war Desert Storm. That's because the Middle East isn't much more than a desert. We had some soldiers um, at the 911 event to come back from the Middle East and the project they were on was called Desert Spring because it's not much more than desert over there. It's not much more than 100 degrees. Now mind you, when Jesus lived on the earth, he was not chilling in an air-conditioned home somewhere. He did go to the synagogue as his custom was. He spent time in the temple. But y'all, he wasn't in air-conditioned synagogues and air-conditioned temples. And much of the work of Jesus was done outside. When Jesus fed the, the 5,000, that he was outside doing that. When Jesus fed the 4,000 miraculously, he was outside when he did that. We hear of the sermon uh, called the Sermon on the Mount on Jesus. You know why it's called the Sermon on the Mount? The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit and all that. Because Mount is short for mountain. It is the Sermon on the Mountain. It is, he was doing that outside. 
when he first met his disciples, he had pushed back in a boat in the Sea of Gennesaret and was preaching from the boat to the people on the shore. Y'all, the Sea of Gennesaret is outside. Jesus was out walking around. He wasn't moving in some chauffeur-driven, air-conditioned limousine in Palestine. He was walking everywhere he was going. Now this, this evidence, I'm gonna show you something in just a second. This past January, I spent three days in the winter in Miami, Florida. When I went to Miami, Florida to preach for Bethel Church, I, I rented my own car on my own expense. I rented a convertible Mustang, as my custom is. I rented a convertible Mustang. I just like to feel my hair blowing in the wind uh, driving down the street in a drop top. And I was in, in Miami, Florida in January, in the winter, three days. It was sunshine, 80 degrees for three days. And I ended up two shades darker than I am right now because I was in the sun for three days. Now can you imagine living in the desert for 33 years? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The next time you think Jesus was pale white, wouldn't he at least have a suntan? I'm just trying to give you some environmental evidence and the fact environmentally speaking Jesus the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 out of Egypt I called my son Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 is really a fulfillment of a prophecy of Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 out of Egypt have I called my son because in Matthew chapter 2 that's when it speaks of the birth of Jesus Christ who was born king of the Jews. When he was born king of the Jews, the then king, the king at that time was Herod. Herod was the king of Israel. He was threatened by the newborn king and he decided he was gonna kill this baby. But he did not know which boy was going to be the king because every boy has kingly potential. And so what he does, he, he figures out that the boy was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, though he did not know which boy it was. So Herod had this, he had this conspiracy to destroy Bethlehem boys. But before he could get to Jesus, Jesus' mother, Mary, and his earthly father, Joseph, hides him in Egypt. Do y'all remember that? He hides him in Egypt so that they can protect Jesus from Herod, who is trying to kill him. After several years, the angel goes to Joseph and says, it's okay to bring Jesus out. Herod is now dead. He can go on back to Israel. He brings Jesus out of Egypt, and they move on to Nazareth. That's where Matthew 2 and 15 says out of Egypt have I called my son but this was not some fly-by-night idea of God that when Herod got ready to kill his son that God was saying I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna have to find somewhere to hide my son how am I gonna protect him y'all way back in Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 God had already decided that Jesus would spend time in Egypt follow me now I'm just giving you evidence so that when Jesus comes out of Egypt out of Egypt have I called my son y'all the ancient Egyptians were black people Egypt is Egypt is Africa y'all do know that don't you and Egypt is still in Africa to this day now here's what I'm trying to get you to see God who is God and God all by himself he could have raised his son in any period of time in history because he is God he could have had Jesus born at any time he could have raised Jesus in any place in the world at any period of time in history and he could have raised him among any people at any place in any period of time in history. But God in all of his omniscience wanted his son Jesus to be raised as a, in, in early on in life among black African people. He wanted Jesus to be exposed to black African languages, black African lifestyles, black African customs, black African traditions, and so he has Jesus raised among black Africans. Why is it that some of us think we succeed when we move away from us? And God could have raised his child anywhere and wanted to raise him around us. 
You know what? Here's the issue for many of us. We somehow don't know why Jesus went to Egypt in the first, and these were his formulative years. Let me say that too. From zero to six, a child will learn more from zero to six than at any other period in their life, period. And it is during that time that God says, I want this boy to be around black African people. And the initial reason for him going, remember what Joseph took Jesus to Egypt was to hide him. Now you're thinking that Jesus is a lily white baby. Come on now. And they're hiding him in Egypt, in black Africa. Y'all, how you gonna hide a lily white baby in Hallville? Come on. Now that's not to say white people are not in Hallville, but they ain't hiding. It's evident that they are air because it is populated with black people. The problem for many of us is we have allowed Hollywood and television and, the, and movies to shape our mindset as to what Egypt and Israel is all about. Y'all, the ancient Egyptians were black African people. I don't care what the Ten Commandments say on TV. I love that movie, The Ten Commandments. I was a kid watching, I watched it every year. Could not wait for it to come on. I loved it. But y'all, it is not anthropologically correct. How are you going to have a, a nation, the Egyptians, and a nation, the Israelites, and have no black people or people of color in the movie. Y'all, African people are dark-skinned people, and the Israelite people are people of color. Now, how are you gonna put on a whole movie portrayed with white actors and white actresses and have no black people in it? Many of us don't understand that that is nothing but a satanic seduction of Satan to keep us from knowing who we are. Because think of this. Here I am, a little young boy, watching the Ten Commandments on TV. Watching Moses open the Red Sea and Israel being set free and the nation of, of the, the Egyptians and all the great things that they had done. If they had been portrayed properly, I would have saw a black Pharaoh. Little boy trying to find out who I am and understand my self-esteem and self-image. I would have saw that the head of the Egyptian nation was a black king and his daughter was a princess, a sister, who pulled Moses out of that water. Some little girl would have saw a black sister saving Moses. And then when Moses went to Midian because he was a fugitive, he went to Midian, the Midianites mistook him for an Egyptian because of the color of his skin and because of his mindset and his thought processes and because of what he was wearing, they were convinced that this is an Egyptian. We would have seen a dark-skinned Moses and his wife, Sephora, who was a Midianite, which means some little girl would have been looking at this woman who was the wife of Moses, Sephora, that saved Moses' life so the children of Israel could be saved. Y'all, that ain't nothing but a trick of the devil to keep us from understanding who we are and about our history and our heritage. Egypt was not filled with white people. Israel was not filled with white people. And somebody gonna say, well, pastor, you know, it's just TV. What difference does it make? Y'all, when did truth not make a difference? It's anthropological truth, but it's truth none the same. All right, all right, let me say it like this. Uh, there was a lawsuit against New York City after 911, uh, after the World Trade Center collapsed and, and the cleanup was taking place um, with all those bodies and all the rubble and everything. And firemen, you know, firemen rose as heroes out of that thing, after all the hard work they did, trying to pull our nation together and clean up the mess and saving lives. And there were three or four firemen at ground zero who was raising a flag of the United States of America. Right there in the midst of all the stuff, while the cleanup was going on, everybody's in turmoil, nobody knows what's gonna happen. Here these three or four firemen are raising this flag in the midst of all of this mess. And it was kind of like pulling our nation together. We were all so proud. Is almost trying to unite the United States. And there they were, trying to raise it up. Somebody took a picture of them raising that flag up. And when they took that picture of those three or four firemen, an artist looked at it and said, I'm gonna make a statue of this. But when the artist made the statue, he did not depict the firemen in the, see it was three or four white firemen that were raising the flag. 
But when the artist took the picture, he, he created this statue with a black fireman, Hispanic fireman, Asian fireman, and a white fireman. And so a white man put a lawsuit out against New York City that bought the statue and erected it in a public place. Because he said it does, just doesn't make sense. He said, I'm not racist. It's just that it wasn't a black fireman there, it wasn't a Hispanic fireman there, it wasn't an Asian fireman there. It was three or four white firemen and they need to be depicted as such. Now if he can get upset over three people, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. How can you take a whole nation of Egypt and a whole nation of Israel and the whole nation is white? Now I'm feeling him with this thing. All I'm trying to say is look at the physical evidence environmentally so that we can understand the culture as to what Jesus was all about. Not only environmentally, but let's look at some evidence genetically. Okay, environmentally, all that's outside, sun outside, Egypt outside, but is there anything innate in Jesus that would give us a clue about his culture and his color? Well, uh, even when you look at this thing genetically, let me tell you a story of what happened with a friend of mine, Dr. Theron Williams, pastors the Mount Carmel Church in Indianapolis. Great church, great pastor, great preacher. Very good friend of mine. He called me, this was some years ago, and he called me just going off and screaming and hollering and upset. And I'm like, man, what is the problem? He said, there were, he, then he went on to ask me, what curriculum do you use at your church school um, in terms of, of study and education and all that kind of stuff? So I told him what it was at the time. And I said, well, why are you asking? He said, I just got off the phone with a publishing company. They had called me and asked me that I want some Afrocentric curriculum for our church school. And of course, he pastors a predominantly black congregation and he wanted that to have the images to encourage his children, all that kind of stuff. So he asked them to send some samples so he might see it. They sent him a bunch of stuff. One of the things that they sent him was a picture of a lot of black children who were sitting at the feet of a white man with blonde hair, blue eyes, and pale white skin. So he gets on the phone and he calls them and says, what is this y'all sending me? Well, sir, you asked us to send you some Afrocentric curriculum for your children. This is not Afrocentric. Yes, it is. Look at all the blacks that are in there. He said, no, turn to page 33 in this particular, turn to page 33. Here are all these black kids sitting at the feet of a pale white man, blue eyes, blonde hair. And my friend Dr. Williams said, who is that? And the response is, sir, that is Jesus the Christ. He said, I thought you were gonna send me some Afrocentric things. Why couldn't you have a black man with these black kids sitting at his feet? And the response was, uh, sir, in all due respect, we all know that Jesus was not an African. And Dr. Williams' response was, we also know that Jesus was not a European, but you got a white man sitting there. We know he was not European. You got a white man sitting there. Why couldn't you put a black man there since you know he's not an African either? Yo, here's all I'm trying to tell you. Images are important to our children. And if you think we're going to go into the ghetto and into the projects and win these boys back by showing them somebody with pale white skin and long flowing hair and blue eyes to win them to the kingdom, it ain't going to happen. It's when we get Get them to see Jesus through their own culture. Now y'all look at me funny if you want to, but that's the truth that we need to understand. And ain't nobody saying don't have pictures of a white Jesus, but the images our kids see of the history of whites in our life is not a good one. I mean, who thinks about a white person saving you? Y'all ain't understanding me today. We gotta show them how God has done some things in our culture. Are y'all understanding me? Genetically, what information, Pastor, what evidence do you have genetically? Well, we know Jesus was born a Jew. He is Semitic. The Bible makes that clear. Jesus is a Hebrew. He was, he's a Jew. He is a descendant of Sham. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I've been teaching y'all this for weeks now. You know Sham is one of the sons of Noah. Sham is the progenitor of the Semitic people, the Hebrew people. Uh, he is the progenitor of the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish. In John chapter 1, it says he came into his own and his own received him not. Well, who was his own? The Jews. He came unto the Jews and his Jew the Jews received him not. And that's when he started going to other cultures and colors and all that in terms of the kingdom of God. He is Semitic. Now, even when you look at that genetically, he's a Middle Easterner. We know what Middle Easterners look like. 
I mean, you sit up and watch TV of, of what's happening over in the Middle East and all the crisis and that kind of thing. They are olive-colored skin or dusky-colored. Now, y'all don't look at me like you don't know what a Middle Easterner look like. If Jesus sat on a plane next, on, next to you on a plane, you would be looking him up and down trying to see if he got a weapon on him. Is he going to do? We know what Middle Easterners look like. Jesus was a man of color based on his genetics and his genes. He's a descendant of Sham. But wait a minute. Genetically speaking, he's also got some hermetic blood in him. Ham is another child of Noah. Ham is the progenitor of those of us of African descent. And we've already been looking in scripture in the family tree of Jesus. He doesn't just have Hebrew blood in his family tree. Jesus got some hermetic blood. He's got some African blood. We, we know about Azena, the black Egyptian woman that was married to Joseph. They had a son by the name of Ephraim, that is Ephraim, that is in the, the family tree of Jesus. We know about Rahab, the Canaanite. We know about Ruth, the Moabite. Those are sisters. We know about Bathsheba, that's a black woman who's a descendant of Ethiopia. We know about King David and King Saul, and I can just keep going on and on. Jesus had some African blood, some hermetic blood running through his veins, meaning this that the evidence points to the fact that Jesus is of mixed culture. He, he Semitic and Hermetic, he is of mixed culture. But now here's what I wanna make clear. If Jesus were living today in the flesh, in, 20, in, in, in the 21st century, in the United States, based on the standards that we have established for what a Negro is, y'all ain't following me. I'm, I'm not giving you a definite conclusion, I'm just giving you evidence that if Jesus lived in the 21st century based on the fact he's of mixed culture with Hermetic blood and Semitic blood, if he lived in the United States based on our standards as to what a Negro is, then what is your conclusion? World Book Encyclopedia, to this day, the World Book Encyclopedia says, for the definition of a Negro, a Negro is anyone with at least one known Negro in their ancestry, regardless of the color of their skin. So even if a person is white, living in the United States, if they know a one black person in their ancestry, in the United States, that's the standard, they are white. Are y'all following me? Don't y'all know that Negro blood is like the blood of Jesus? One drop makes you whole? Some of y'all figure that out later on. He's a mixed culture, but he's got some of us in it. Let me give you some evidence scripturally. Let me scripturally show you some things so that we can understand. In the book of Daniel, hold your spot in Revelation. But in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. I'm not giving you any definite conclusions. I'm just giving you some evidence. Here's some scriptural evidence. Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 concerning the culture and color of Jesus. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. This is a portrait and a picture of the glorified Christ. And this prophetic word about the glorified Christ shows us here that his hair, the hair on his head, was like lamb's wool. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a lamb with long flowing hair? Y'all help me just a minute, I ain't gonna preach long today. Have you ever seen a lamb with long straight hair? No, you don't, lambs are not like that. You think something was wrong with that. So Jesus' hair on his head was like lamb's wool. I was really trying to do my research for this message and I'm on the phone calling around Indianapolis and Indiana trying to find some lamb's wool. I'm really, I wanted to bring some wool to church to show you what lamb's wool looked like. So I'm calling everybody and running around trying to find lamb's wool and the Holy Spirit said, just show them your hair. And I wish I hadn't got my hair cut yesterday because it looked like lamb's wool. Y'all, Jesus' hair was like our hair. 
based on what the scriptures say. Let me show you some more scripture. Revelation 1, which is where we started all this thing. Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation 1 and 13, John the Revelator says, I saw the Son of Man. This is the resurrected, glorified Christ. I saw the glorified Christ. Verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. That word white there, uh, the Greek word for that is leukos, which is white like a ripened grain or white like a white wine. And then in Revelation 15 and 6, it's another whole nother word that's translated white. And that Greek word is lampros, which is white like linen. But in this passage, it is white like ripened grain uh, or white like white wine. When you order white wine with your dinner, uh, it's not really white, is it? Though you call it white wine. So that is the color that that is. Now look in verse 15 and his feet now we see some some of his skin and his feet would like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace now i'm just giving you evidence from the scripture his skin was like fine brass that looked like it had been burned in a furnace Okay, I couldn't find any lamb's wool. Well, I'm looking for lamb's wool. I sent Pastor Page, uh, my special assistant, to find some, some brass. And he did his job. He came back with some brass. This is, this is what brass looks like. This is the color that that text is speaking of in terms of the color of his feet or the color of his skin. It, it's, it's brass. So we, can, we don't know what color he was, but we do know he was of color. And I noticed something about brass. Y'all, the better quality the brass, the darker the brass is. Now see, I told Pastor Page, I said, man, just find me some brass, whatever it is, I reimburse you, I pay you back. He didn't believe me, so he went and got some cheap brass because he didn't think I was gonna pay him back. This is cheap brass. If he had got the best brass, it would be darker. And y'all know Christ ain't no cheap Christ. Help me somebody. Y'all know Christ is the best. And the better it is, the darker it is. Do I have a witness in this place? Y'all, we need to understand that. And some of us are troubled with this. No matter what the evidence says, some of us are still going to see blonde hair, blue eyes, pale white skin. We can't help it. No matter what, no matter what the evidence points to. Because as long as something is dark, something is of color, we have an issue with it being holy and righteous and good. That we can accept a European Jesus, and we know he wasn't European, before we can accept a Jesus of color. That, and y'all seen mid Middle Eastern people, some of them are darker than we are. I mean, they do live in the desert, so I understand that. They're darker than we are. Some of them are born as dark as we are. But in spite of all the evidence, because we grew up in a nation that taught us if you are white, you are right. If you are black, get back. If you're brown, you can stick around. So we believe that anything that is dark has got to be ungodly. It's got to be wrong. It's got to be wretched. It's got to be sinful. But yet the scriptures point to something different in terms of the Christ. I called Pastor Freddie Haynes last night because I remembered him telling an illustration at our church years ago. And I wanted to tell that, I was gonna tell the illustration. I wasn't gonna give him any credit, but I'm gonna give him credit, I'm gonna do right, and give him credit for it. But I called him because I wanted to make sure that I told it properly. It was when he told that illustration about a passion play in New Jersey. You know what a passion play is. It's when, when a play, um, it depicts the life and death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they, it's like our up on this rock in Indiana. And they had, they had it in New Jersey. And they had a black man that for three straight years played Judas in the play. He was an actor that acted out the role of Judas three straight years in the passion play in New Jersey. And last night, Freddie Haynes again reminded me that the play got rave reviews for all of those years that that man played Judas. All the media, the print media, the newspapers, television, everybody was saying how great the play is, how great this actor is, as long as he was playing Judas. And then the next year, after those three years next year, he didn't play Judas. He had the role of Jesus. 
And when the black man had the role of Jesus, there were no rave reviews. The newspaper wouldn't give them their pub. The, the television didn't do anything and everybody began to dog the play and the black man in the role of Jesus started getting death threats. Now here he is just trying to help people to see the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he starts receiving death threats. The same actor that they said was a great actor when he was Judas. And Freddie Haynes says that as long as we are the traitors in our community, that people do not have an issue with us. As long as we are the thieves and the robbers, the gangbangers, the drug dealers, the pimps and the prostitutes, nobody has an issue. But the moment you begin to rise up with Christ in you and to do some positive things, now somebody got an issue. Do I have a witness in here? Y'all, we got to be able to see this thing from the perspective of God. Now, let me close like that. That's enough evidence for you. But let me close like this because I want to give you some, some evidence spiritually in terms of Jesus Christ. Because it is not enough just to know Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he was a Mideasterner and that uh, he was of mixed culture and all that. That ain't enough, y'all. In Revelation 1 and 18, it says, this is Jesus speaking. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Now see, here is the good news of the gospel. There is nothing wrong with you searching analytically and historically and culturally to find out what Jesus was all about. But ain't none of that gonna get you in heaven, ain't none of that gonna keep you from hell, and ain't none of that gonna redeem your soul. The thing about Christ that will redeem you, that will save you, that will wash you up and give you another chance at life is the fact that he was dead but he's alive forevermore, amen, and has the keys to death and hell. You, you know what, some of y'all don't understand, when you are locked in hellish situations, you need somebody with the key, and the one with the key is the resurrected. Y'all, some of us are so busy trying to understand Christ culturally that we have missed him spiritually. See, I ain't going to hell trying to wait on my final conclusion as to whether he was Hebrew or he was African or European. I ain't waiting on the final conclusion. All I need to know is he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. That's all I need to know. Some of y'all on your way to hell right now because you don't know what color he was and what culture he was. Baby, don't let that keep you from Jesus Christ. Because you know what? The thing that sets Jesus apart spiritually, the thing that is so unique about him than anything else is the fact of his resurrection. Is the fact he was dead, but now he's alive. That's what, y'all, he's not the only person born in Bethlehem. That's not the uniqueness about him. He's not the only one of mixed culture. Plenty of us in here are of mixed culture. That doesn't set Jesus apart. And the fact he's not the only one who died. Millions, trillions of people have died. The thing that makes Jesus unique is the fact he got up again. See, that's, that's what sets him apart. That's, that's what does it. Whole lot of folk have died, but he's the only one that died and got up again. Somebody said, wait a minute, Pastor, what about Lazarus? He died and got up. Yeah, but he died again. <laughs> Revelation 1 and 18 says, he died, got up, and he's alive forevermore. He ain't never dying again. Do I have a witness in here? It's the resurrection. Y'all, ain't no harm with understanding Jesus historical, the historical Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But I want to know about the resurrected Jesus. Because when the Apostle Paul wrote about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, he spent a little piece of a verse talking about the life of Jesus. Then he spent another little piece of a ver verse talking about the death of Jesus. Then he spent a little bitty piece of a verse uh, talking about the burial of Jesus. And then Paul spent some 50 odd verses talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Because that's his uniqueness. That's where the power is. The power is in the fact of the resurrection. See, every other religious leader, everybody else who started a religion, they also have died. 
I mean, Zoroaster died. Buddha died. That ain't nothing new. Confucius died. Elijah Muhammad died. That ain't nothing. David Koresh died. Jim Jones died. But the thing that sets Jesus apart is after he died, three days later, he got up with all power. Do I have a witness in here? Now, 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 now here, is, here it is, here it is, here it is. This is why you gotta focus in on the resurrection of Jesus because all have said, everybody say all. Y'all, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. When y'all hearing people on the radio and TV trying to act like they ain't never done nothing wrong, they did something wrong. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. Because we all sin, we all deserve to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. See, that's the good news. Not that he was mixed with hermetic and Semitic blood. No, the good news is that God showed his love towards me in that he didn't wait till I got better. He didn't wait till I stopped acting a fool and hanging out in foolish places and doing foolish things and running with foolish people. No, while I was still a fool. Y'all ain't gotta look at me funny. While we were still fools. God showed his love by allowing Jesus to pay the penalty for those that die, but we don't have to. Why? Because Jesus paid the penalty on the cross. And the Bible says in Romans 10 and 9 that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. You want to know what about Jesus? If you confess Jesus as Lord, confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you shall be saved your sins are forgiven you have a relationship with God and heaven is your home because you believe in the resurrection watch this watch this the Apostle Paul says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you all right, y'all, if y'all had shouted right there, I would be through and take my seat. You don't understand. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Meaning this, when you go through a dead situation, finances are dead, friendships are dead, relationships are dead, your marriage is dead, what you have with your children are dead, what you have with your parents are dead, your educational opportunities are dead, your money situation is dead, your career is dead, you don't have to put a bullet through your head because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So whatever I'm facing, I know I can rise above it because he raised Jesus. And if he can raise a dead Jesus, I know he can. Look at somebody, just tell him, wait a few days, wait a few days. Let me close, let me close. Let me close like this. In Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, a man gets his throat cut by three men. His 12-year-old son is murdered, and then they throw him in a shallow grave and bury him and leave him for dead. Cut his throat, leave him for dead next to his 12-year-old son who is dead, put him in a, in, a shallow, in a shallow grave, and those three men just take off. The man with his throat cut in a shallow grave begins to dig his way out. He dig with a cut throat. He digs his way out of that grave. Then he calls the authorities, gets in contact with the authorities who, who eventually end up saving him. He points out his assailants, they're in jail right now. And while I'm listening to this story, I cannot help but see in the spiritual what happened to him in the natural. See, because there are a lot of cut throats. Some of us got cutthroats in our community. We got cutthroats on the job trying to get to you. Cutthroats in the home. We even got cutthroats at the church and folk who will try to cut your throat and dig ditches for you and leave you thinking that it's all over. But the same spirit 
that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, which means no matter how bad it looks, you can dig your way out. Your supervisor's been trying to kill you. Just dig your way out of it. You went through a bad marriage, but just dig. Look at somebody tell them I'm digging my way out of this. I, it ain't looking good. I don't look good right now. My money ain't right right now, but I'm digging my way out of this. Folk are dogging me right now. My enemies look like they got the best of me. How many are digging your way out of it? Because Jesus is in you. The spirit is in you. Can't God raise you up? Look at somebody tell them, dig your way out. I'm finished. I'm finished. The series is over like this. Uh, uh, Maya Angelou says, and still I rise. You can write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You can trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you so beset with gloom? Because I walk like I got oil wells pumping in my living room. Like the moon and like the sun with the certainty of tide. Just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops beneath my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it off a heart? Cause I laugh like I got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatred, but still like air, I'll rise. Out of the huts of history, shame, I'll rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I'll rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear in the tide. How many of you know God can help you rise above anything? Hey, hey, y'all excuse me, but hey, hey. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've seen us through. Thank you for help, helping us to rise above the things that we face in this world. We thank you for Jesus, the historical Jesus, the cultural G, all of that. But most of all, dear God, we thank you for the resurrected Jesus. Thank you for raising him up and allowing us to be saved because of his work. Father, thank you so much for filling us with the same spirit that you used to raise Jesus. Lift us up, dear God. Lift us up. Help us to rise. 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 Help us, dear God. Rise above ungodliness. Rise above sin. Help us to rise above racism. Rise above social injustice. Help us to rise above prejudice. Help us to rise above grudges. Help us, dear God. Help us. Help us to rise to the level you want us to be. It is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Lift the Savior up, 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 lift the
Take it back, baby, back, and get your praise on. 